Oh, well, thank you all so much for being here in this, in this gathering. And just uh, thank you, too, to our worship team for leading us this morning uh, really into the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was one of those cool moments this week where I had a song that I really, really wanted us to, to worship. You know, I felt like it was going to fit really well. It was on my heart, and I checked, and it was already there. It was already in the lineup, and I called Daryl, and I said, dude, <laughs> this is cool. This is awesome, and that's that second song that we worshiped with this morning, I Speak Jesus. I don't know about for you, but for me, for the past several months, that has been a really, really important song, kind of a centering song for me uh, in days when I'm feeling just really overwhelmed by all that's going on in our world by all that's going on in, in our denomination, all that you know could be expected of me, all that could draw my attention away from here and this community and the work that God is doing here. I say to myself, I take a deep breath and I say, man, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. That's all I want to do. That's all, that's all that we're here to do and all we're here for. Some of those words, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Uh, speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. And it's because we know there's peace within God's presence. And we know that we can declare hope and freedom in the presence of God until every soul held captive I mean, it's this song of just liberation and freedom in Christ that has just been such an important anthem for me that focuses me again. Okay, this is the mission. This is the purpose. This is what we're here for, to speak the name of Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I have it on repeat sometimes, <laughs> some days, to where now it's, it's memorized. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. You know, I think this song, hey, Debbie, I think there was, I, I, I'm going to try the slides again. There was a different one I put in there. It's all right. It's okay if it's in the wrong order. We're just here to speak the name of Jesus. <laughs> this song has a pretty hopeful picture for what the work of reconciliation in Christ can look like, of that freedom, of that healing, of, that, uh, of, of those things that we're held captive to sometimes in life, this, this idea of this, of this picture of there's no more fear, there's no more anxiety, there's no more addiction, there's no more sense of brokenness. And it's that vision that we actually talked about last week in this series we talked about the small beginnings of the kingdom and how we need to keep our eyes focused on that kingdom of God that is coming, that is unfolding. And that's, that's our hope. That's what keeps us going. We've got to keep our vision on the kingdom. And that kind of future hope that there will be one day when all things will be reconciled back to God. We find that in Colossians 1, the ministry of reconciliation in Christ all things reconciled back to God, we're reconciled back to one another and the relationships that we have, and we're reconciled back to creation. I mean, like all of creation, the whole cosmos, 
is redeemed and renewed and set right again. It's this place of freedom, this place of peace. The Hebrew word would be shalom. If you think of like just a sense of wholeness in your life and what that could look like and feel like. No more brokenness. Things are whole. That's the the picture of the vision of the inbreaking kingdom of God that we're given. And the task, really for us, the hard part in this side of eternity, is as followers of Jesus Christ, is to keep our eyes fixed there. Because the kingdom is coming, and it's coming all around us. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 65 uh, says it this way. as all the way at the end of that version of the slides, but that's okay. Here we go. I found it. Um, for behold, I create new heavens and a new, her- a new earth. This is a prophe- prophecy of this, uh, of this new kingdom, of this inbreaking kingdom of God that's coming. No more shall be heard in, in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This picture of the new kingdom where there's no weeping and there's no death and there's no illness. And creation even itself is restored back to its original, like sort of a original idea. And it's not even at war with, with one another. We won't... Be at war. There will be no violence. And, and, wow, man, do we not long for that day. We long for that day. Throughout this teaching series, you know that I've also been running a book study at the same time on a book called Think Red, Living and Loving Like Jesus by Larry Stess, who's a pastor in our conference, actually retired now as of January, but a pastor in our conference down in Portland, Uh, here in Louisville. And it's been just a a wonderful time of study and community together of these two sessions of this book study. And all throughout the book, uh, at certain points, Larry will ask just to kind of pause and reflect and say something to the effect of, if the kingdom of God were to come in fullness tomorrow, what about our community and our city and our world would change? Or if you look around our city today, and again, this is about is a book about the ministry he did in Louisville, in Portland. And so it's been really powerful for us in that book study to sort of follow some of these questions and, and reflect and answer them together. If you look around in your community today, in whatever neighborhood you live, what do you see that breaks God's heart? What do you see that breaks your heart? And what do you think we have that we could do something about that. But in just answering that first question, if the fullness of the kingdom of God were to come tomorrow, what about our city would change? In one of the first sessions that we asked that, we named things like 
there would be no more gun violence or there would be no more homelessness. In, in the city of Louisville, there would be no more homelessness or addiction. There would be no child abuse or neglect. Because, you know, Kentucky rates among the highest in states of child abuse and neglect. There would be no loneliness. There would be no depression or anxiety or people just feeling a sense of disconnection with community. In whatever form that presents itself, People wouldn't feel disconnected because they would be whole. They would be reconciled. There would be no more illness or suffering and death. And, of course, there would be no natural disasters. One member uh, bravely shared at the end of one of our sessions, okay, Rachel, yeah, I get that. I I get that vision, and I want to see it, and I long for that day, and I believe what the scriptures say are true. But then on the other hand, how do I keep going when I look around the world and all that's going on and the brokenness? Like, how do do we put these two things together? How How do I get there? Something you hear me quote a lot is I say, do not grow weary of doing good and how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds by our gathering together, by our friendships, by our community, by our service to together, you know, we, we can inspire one another on our own. Well, it's a pretty lonely place and it can be really overwhelming, but together we can spur one another on. But still that point remains. It's like, especially in a week like this one, where I know many of you have felt that sense of overwhelm. The earthquakes, I think 20,000 dead, higher. I stopped at 20. It was an overwhelming day. Some of us have lost loved ones unexpectedly lately. Some of us have had complications and some procedures we've had lately. Some of us are struggling with loneliness and anxiety. And it's just been one of those weeks. I think I said that a few weeks ago, too, of overwhelmed by the brokenness. So, Rachel, how? (laughs) How? And I just want to say, friends, I don't have all of the answers. I do not have some grand strategic plan that I'm now going to unfold for you with certainty and assurance that will say, and this is how we're going to get there together. That's when you should have said, boo. (laughs) Because I know in a sense of anxiety, and you're like, you're, you're dangling us over that cliff here. <laughs> Where is the word of hope? How, how do we hold these two things of the vision and, and, and the kingdom that's coming that we know? And then here, and, and, and amidst the brokenness, how do, how do we get there? How do we get there? I cannot unfold a strategic plan with certainty and assurance that's going to fix all of our problems. All I have is Jesus. All we can do is speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind, over all of the darkness, over all of the uncertainty. All we have, friends, is the life he offered us. His values, his grace, his death and resurrection, and now his purpose. And I say all we have, not as like a Sunday school answer, all we have is Jesus. That's enough. Amen? That's it. 
And so this morning, what I'm attempting to do is try to summarize this whole series together, where we've been saying and asking ourselves, what if we started the new year out by simply having one goal and one focus, answering this one question, what would our lives look like if we just simply focused on living like Jesus? Of all of the things that we could focus our lives on, that we could try to achieve and earn and accomplish in a year, and there's a lot maybe expected of us, either personally in your own lives, in your jobs, and even sometimes as a community of faith, there are expectations. What if through all of that noise, we simply just focus on living and loving like Jesus, making his values our values, and loving the same people that he loved? And by the end of the year, we can say, you know what? I look a little bit more like Jesus today than I did January 1. I don't know for you, but for me, that thought and that process has been really liberating. That in fact, the only thing that God expects of us (laughs) is to try and live like Jesus to make his values our values. And so we've looked at values like friendship and like humility and honoring the dignity of all people. We've looked at radical generosity. And we've also focused on those small beginnings. Here's a little plug, spoiler alert. If you read the book, you know there's actually a sixth value that I just completely skipped over altogether on Sunday morning. We talked about it in the book study because we read every chapter. But I didn't hear on Sunday morning. And that was new beginnings or forgiveness. And you're thinking, wow, Rach, you just skipped right over that one. So that that whole value of Jesus. (laughs) And that's because, here's my strategic plan. That's because we're going to spend the season of Lent focusing on forgiveness. And what that can really look like in an unapologetic world. In In a world that's easily offended and super, you know, pretty unapologetic in a world that sometimes teaches us that you just need to forgive and forget and move on. Why are you still hung up on that? Why, do you st- why are you still struggling? What, what does scripture and the, the reconciliation of Jesus speak into that? We're going to stretch that out. Instead of one chapter or one value here on Sunday morning, we're going to look at what does it look like to actually pursue that reconciliation in our lives and in the world. So there you go. It's coming soon for Lent, near you. February, help me, 23rd. I got it. Ash Wednesday will be on February 23rd. So looking at these values, and now what we're trying to do this morning is to kind of put them all together. Put it all together and say, now how are we going to put that into practice on mission now? Larry Stess says this. Okay, can we go back one slide, Debbie? Or two? Or a bunch? Oh, that's not what I see now. Okay. Or a bunch. That, oh, that's it. Yep, okay, here we go. When we get honest about the values of Jesus, doing what it takes to align ours with his, and once we get clear about his kingdom of heaven on earth vision, walking with him towards the vision until he brings the kingdom in fullness, the potential for creative expressions of living on mission with Jesus will go through the roof. The sky becomes the limit on what we might do and how we might live on purpose with him. 
when we align our values with Jesus, when we kind of realize and focus on that's really all God wants from us. Like he actually expects us to attempt to live our lives this way and gives us grace when we fail and mess up and gives us the power of the Holy Spirit at work within each and every one of us to give us the courage and the power we need to live this ridiculous, countercultural, radical generosity and humility kind of way. It does not make sense. It is hard, but God actually sort of expects us to try and live that way, (laughs) and that's it. If everything else on your shoulders this morning, the pressure that you have, that's the one thing. That's the one thing. And when we realize that, I mentioned to you, it's been a sort of liberating feeling for me. And when we are in that space, the potential for creative expressions of living on mission with Jesus, it's fun it's free, it's radical, it's kingdom building. And so this morning, just to focus on being on mission, how we might live on purpose with him. That was the line I was looking for. How we might live on purpose together, putting all these values together, now living on purpose with Jesus. How do we get there? How do we put these together again What exactly this looks like, we don't know, but here's what we have. We have the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we have his invitation, his invitation into relationship with him. Do you know what that is? In the Gospels, how does he invite all of his disciples along the way? Come and follow me. That's all we have. Come and follow me. Okay, now I want to go back to that other one. Listen, I had this in the correct order this morning. You guys don't even believe it. Okay, when Jesus says, come follow me, I hear two things. First, I assume he is going somewhere and inviting me to come along. If I follow, eventually we'll wind up at the destination where Jesus is leading. Second, he's inviting me to be his apprentice. As I follow him to the mysterious location... I can watch how he lives, observe how he loves, and listen to what he teaches. Over time, I will learn how to do what he does, how to love like he does, how to teach others what he is teaching me. This is the simple yet profound goal of discipleship. Find someone who knows how to do what you want to learn and then spend time with them. Discipleship. Come and follow me. I love what Larry Stess says here because it assumes that if you're going to answer that invitation, it's that not only that he's inviting you to go to the place that he's preparing, he says, he's inviting you to come with him, but also that he's going to be with you and teaching you along the way, that we're not going to be left alone. And I have this image in my head of Jesus sort of reaching out. You see those like pictures in some of old churches, you know, where it's like a really beautiful looking Jesus, right? And his hands just out like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so I had a, as much as that's kind of like, okay, that's probably nothing like what Jesus actually looked like. But (laughs) this, this hand extended. I had this picture this week, this sort, of, this sort of vision or idea of like this discipleship of come, come with me, is simply just taking Jesus by the hand and walking with him each step of the way, every day of our lives, learning from him, growing with him, 
spending time with him, just like we would if, you know, any friend that we have that we want to get to know better or spend more time with. It's this promise that he takes us with him, and we can trust him when we take him by the hand every step of the way. We don't have to know where exactly we're going or how exactly we're going to get there or what exactly we will be doing. And if you're a planner like me, that's just really hard. (laughs) That's insanity (laughs) because we want to have a three-step plan with measurable goals and how we're going to know once we've accomplished those goals, says my coach. (laughs) But discipleship with Jesus is mysterious, and it involves surrender, of letting go of all of that and simply taking Jesus by the hand when he says, walk with me, come with me, and I will teach you. It all comes back, friends, for me, to John chapter 1, that invitation of discipleship in which he gave. I'm going to read that again for us. Can we find it? (laughs) Isn't this fun? It's like an Easter egg hunt. Debbie is having less fun than me. (laughs) John chapter 1, and I think that'll be it. That'll be the last slide. It's okay. I'll start reading it. Okay, John chapter 1, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and one of the disciples says, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is a theme throughout John. We've looked at this before. Many times, Jesus or another disciple, the invitation is simply, come and see. Come and see. But this, in this episode, which we looked at the first week of this series, Jesus, you know, feels these two people he doesn't, you know, hasn't previously met, probably, uh, following him. And he turns around and he goes, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you doing? What are you seeking? And the disciples respond, and they say, where are you staying? Where are you staying? We want to come. And I mentioned in the first week, I always just kind of pictured that as like, hey, what hotel are you staying in? Can we just come hang out and have a meal? We kind of want to, we're curious. We kind of want to get to know you a little bit more. We're intrigued because someone just called you the Lamb of God. (laughs) I've got questions about that. (laughs) What does that mean? So he says, where are you staying? The disciples ask Jesus. And Jesus says, come and see. And what I told you week one is that Greek word there, stay, is actually the same Greek word that comes up later in John chapter 15 that actually means abide. The disciples are asking Jesus, where are you abiding? And Jesus says, come and see. And just a few chapters later in his teaching, he says to them, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide with me. 
be with me, stay with me, find your purpose and your life and your meaning here. And my Father, I will abide with you. He's saying, come and see, and I'm going to take you to my Father. I'm going to take you to that relationship where Richard Rohr says our true self is hidden in God with Christ of that foundational identity. And he's articulating here a relationship in throughout the Gospel of John, but especially in John 15, of being a friend of God. A friend of God is someone who abides with God. I am the vine, you are the branches, abide with me. It kind of is coming back full circle here to say that foundational value of Jesus, that very first one we looked at, was friendship, was love and friendship, friendship with God. And from that grows friendship with one another and friendship with the forgotten, friendship with the overlooked. Living these values, seeing and honoring the dignity of all people, practicing radical generosity, celebrating even the smallest of victories, keeping your eyes fixed on that vision, that is abiding with Jesus one step at a time every day. That's answering that call of discipleship when he says, for those of you that want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily. It's daily. Die to yourself. Surrender. Take Jesus by the hand. You're like, man, this is repetitive and a lot. But it's like God knew in our sins of sort of ego and pride and self-importance. He knew I was going to need these reminders often. We got to work on this and grow in grace a lot. Come and follow me. For those of you that want to follow me, you must pick up your cross and carry it daily. And that's all we're given. That's, that, that's, the, that's the only instruction. <laughs> we're given a vision of the end, but each step along the way, all we're given is one step at a time, one day at a time, friendship with Jesus abiding. And that's how we can trust that all shall be revealed as we put these values into practice to live like Jesus. That's our mission of how we live on purpose, on mission with Jesus together. In his book, uh, Larry says that for for their community, the things that were required of them to really live this out were three things. He said we needed a strong theology of hope which is our hope of the vision and the kingdom of God. Got to keep our eyes fixed there. We got to have a strong theology of hope. We've got to be covered in prayer, he says. Absolutely covered in prayer. Because if we got to discern each day as a community of faith, each step, what faithfulness to Jesus looks like when we're responding to the needs of the world, if we've got to ask sort of like, Okay, am I doing this because I feel like God is calling me to do it or because I think it's going to fulfill some other purpose and need that I think is best or that I think I have? If you think of this vision of discipleship as walking with Jesus one step at a time in friendship with Christ and abiding, you it's going to take a whole lot of prayer. <laughs> a whole lot of prayer and discernment and listening. Listening to where the Spirit might be prompting us, where the Spirit might be directing where the Spirit might be correcting, 
where the spirit might be bubbling up. We've got to have a strong theology of hope, he says. You've got to be bathed in prayer, and then you've got to have courage. Courage to actually do the things that Jesus is asking of us. Courage to live in a way that the world does not re- uh, reward or really respect. Courage to live differently because we know our true purpose and our true value is in that foundational identity with Jesus Christ. This is the journey of discipleship. And as United Methodists, we believe we are forming disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. If you hear it, if you can put these pieces together, we're forming disciples to walk with Jesus, who we believe, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will transform the world. We'll respond with love and mercy and good deeds, that the world will look like a different place because we're living into the reality of the kingdom and the just world that God is making there. Here at Revolution, we say we are joining Jesus in the revolution of transforming lives through teaching and serving. And we say we have three values. I think a lot of these values of Jesus are our values. But from the beginning, we say our values of joining Jesus in this revolution of transforming lives looks like reveal, resurrect, and release. We're revealing the love of God through the ministry of worship and the grace that's available to all. We're experiencing the resurrection of Christ and the transformation in our own lives through ministries like house group and celebrate recovery and book studies and Bible studies and the discipling of our children and youth. That's where we see the change. That's where we see the transformation and the growth in grace. And then we're released out into the world to serve and to go, and to be the revolution. And our release ministries look like homeless outreach. And it looks like, help me, it looks like JAM, looks like J-Town Area Ministries, and it looks like Go International, and it looks like serving at Grace Kids. And all of the ways that you or your small group have discerned to release the love and grace of Christ that you have experienced into the world for its transformation. Reveal, resurrect, and release. And so church, I'm going to end here and just call on you to be in prayer. Be in prayer. Be in prayer for your church, for your pastors, for your leaders, for our one board who's meeting for the first time this Saturday. Be in prayer for the work that God is going to do through us as we discern what does the Lord require of us but to love mercy Do justice and walk humbly with God. Abiding with Christ, walking with him, and seeing the possibilities that could be endless, but what is it that God is calling us to do and to be about? So pray. We we cannot overestimate kind of the amount of prayer needed that we might have ears and hearts of discernment, that we can heed the call of the Holy Spirit. And here's a couple of things specifically I want you to be in prayer for. The first is that I've announced to you guys several months ago that we're going to be taking a short-term service mission trip to the Hinton Center this summer. 
in North Carolina. We've got 10 of you that have already signed up and paid a deposit. We're going to be going June 25th through the 29th. It's not too late to still join that if you'd like to. Our first meeting is going to be coming up here next month in March and in May. We'll probably do two before we leave in June. But be praying for that trip. Be praying for the work. Be praying for the relationships. And be praying if even now you're hearing the Spirit say, you should go on that trip with them. And you can come talk to me or Mike Schaefer after service. The second thing is I also announced to you our plans and our hopes to do an international trip in 2024. And we have dates on the calendar for that. Be in prayer for that. We, one of our mission partners, Raphael, we've been with, I think, since the beginning of Revolution. And we've been partnering with him, a pastor in the Dominican Republic, and been sponsoring another Go Ministry missionary who's one of our own in Juan Casa del Valle. And we'll have an opportunity to go and to return and to reconnect. But as a part of that, Mike Schaefer, I'm just going to, you didn't know, I'm glad you're here this morning. You didn't know I was going to do all this, did you? Um, he's kind of, he's on our one board, and for many, many years, he's kind of been the point person for our release ministries, for our outreach and mission work. And so at the end of last mission trip this past summer, Mike and I talked about, you know, it would be really good to kind of have a shorter DR trip where we can go and just reconnect with Raphael, where I could even just meet him and hear about his work in preparation for that trip in 2024. And so it's kind of snuck up on us a little bit, <laughs> meaning that I would have told you sooner than now, but February seemed like a really great time for Rachel in the winter of Louisville to say, let's go to the DR. <laughs> so we're going to be gone for about three days. Mike and I and our spouses with our tour guide, Juan. <laughs> And I'm going to get to go, and we're going to meet Raphael and hear about the work that he's doing, that we have been partnering with and supporting financially his ministry for at least 10 years. And so be in prayer for that trip. Be in prayer for us, for some of your leaders. And I cannot wait to come back and share with you about the work that I see God doing there, the kingdom work that we are a part of. I think it's going to be really exciting. And then the last thing I want you to be in prayer for is that one of, uh, one of those small groups that we had when we were studying that book, it was like a, a, a Holy Spirit moment where somebody, not me, spoke up and said, so what are we going to do about this? You keep having us reflect on all the brokenness of the world, and you keep saying that we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to create that more just world for our neighbors. You've been telling us, Rachel, to befriend the forgotten and the homeless and the overlooked. And guess what? We've had people that have been doing that and their hearts have been changed. And they say, okay, I, I get, we're going to house and we're going to feed and we're going to clothe and we're going to have these ministries of mercy. But what about creating a more just world to where our homeless neighbors don't have to be homeless anymore? Or what about creating a more just world so kids aren't afraid to go to school or go to sleep anymore? When we go down to Grace and we meet the kids there, what would it look like, Rachel, to create a more just world to where our friends that we now know at Grace Church don't live in fear anymore? And someone put before the group this ministry called Clout, which is citizens of Louisville organized and united together who are working for justice in the city of Louisville. 
It's a, it's a collection of faith communities in, in sort of emboldened by their faith in Jesus Christ who are simply trying to advocate for our neighbors who may be overlooked and marginalized. And so simply put, one of their directors, Camille, is going to come and just have an info session. No decisions have been made. It's just an opportunity to listen and say, is this maybe something God might be calling us to participate in? as we're walking step by step, one day at a time, loving the person right in front of us, nearest to us. And as that's taken us to the margins, some of us had said, okay, what's next? And so I just want to invite you, if you're interested in learning more, we're going to have just an informational session March 5th, right after church. Oh, there you go. Bob, thank you, Bob. Right after church to listen, to learn, to ask questions. So church, I'm asking you, just be in prayer. Be in prayer as we humbly seek to follow Jesus one step at a time on mission, on service, on advocacy, whatever that looks like. And would you join me in that? You know our mission? That's our mission. Abiding with Christ, joining him in the transformation, the revolution of transforming lives through teaching and service. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are and for the ways that we have experienced your Holy Spirit show up here and among us. Thank you for the ways that we have experienced your ministry of reconciliation. And thank you, God, for the hunger and the fire that you're putting within some of us to say, okay, what next? At the end of this teaching series, as we seek to live on mission with you, how can we put these values into practice? So God, I just ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and eyes to see the kingdom that is coming, the vision that you have given us from Scripture that shows us a place you're preparing for us where there is no more war or sickness or violence or death or brokenness. Would you give us the courage that we need today to follow you, to love you, and to love others, and to be signs of hope toward that kingdom that is coming. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and we ask that your spirit would just continue to lead us and guide us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.